Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Gospel of Mark, as you heard a few moments ago. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, today we're going to talk about storms. And a storm is defined as this, a disturbance of the normal condition of the atmosphere, manifesting itself by winds of unusual force or direction, often accompanied by rain, snow, hail, thunder, or lightning, or flying sand or dust. But of course, we won't just be talking about rain and thunder and lightning. We'll be talking about the storms that happen in our life. So if we could just take part of that definition, we could say that storms are also a disturbance of the normal condition of our life. So let's begin with the weather portion of this storm, the storm that we hear about in the gospel for today. I mean, this story takes place towards the beginning of Jesus' ministry and takes place right before the story that you heard last week. Jesus healing Manny, the man with many demons. And we often think about there just being one boat, and it was likely that Jesus and the disciples were in the same boat. But Mark tells us, he's the only one who tells us, that there were other boats with them as well, probably following Jesus to hear him teach. Although it wasn't very exciting at this moment, because Jesus is sleeping. And then a storm arises, and the waves are crashing into the boat and causing it to fill with water. Now, there are some people that question the validity of this story just based on the Sea of Galilee being so small that a storm could cause a boat to sink there. They don't think that it could happen there. I mean, I probably would have had to think for a moment, too, myself about this story being true. That is until I was actually there in person to see it. So let's go over the details of the Sea of Galilee. It's about 21 kilometers long and 13 kilometers wide. I mean, not large by any means, for sure. In fact, all of Israel itself could fit into the lake just to our southeast, Lake Michigan. One of those great lakes. And the Sea of Galilee is tiny compared to the smallest of the great lakes, Lake Ontario. And you don't really hear about storms on Lake Ontario taking out boats. Apart from its size, though, the Sea of Galilee is at 700 feet below sea level. It is the lowest freshwater lake on Earth. And then there is Mount Hermon, which is 48 kilometers northeast of the Sea of Galilee and has a peak of 9,200 feet. So when wind comes off this mountain and collides with the warm air over the sea, sudden and violent storms are produced. And if I remember correctly, one of the guides said that they had seen up to eight-foot waves on the Sea of Galilee. Now these aren't going to capsize any commercial fishing boats that you see today, 
But the boat, the boat that the Jesus and the disciples would have traveled in wouldn't have been terribly large, so it could have easily begun to fill with water and cause the disciples to fear for their life, as we see today. Now, the thing I think about when I think and read this story, and I remember being on the Sea of Galilee and envisioning this scene taking place, well, I remember they described the wind just the wind just coming down through the valley and into the area of the sea. And it could just happen so quickly. And the storms would arise out of nowhere without much warning. And that's the, things with, that's the thing with storms, isn't it? I mean, sometimes we see storms coming, right? The clouds in the sky are dark, right? The smell of rain is in the air. We know it's coming. But sometimes what was supposed to be a beautiful day turns ugly very quickly. And it happens easily with that wind that comes along. And that's the thing with storms in life, isn't it, too? I mean, sometimes you see them coming from a distance, but sometimes you have no warning. I mean, say you get the diagnosis of cancer. I mean, that initial news and shock may have come out of nowhere, but moving forward, you might have a decent idea of what is coming, and so you can prepare for it. The doctor is going to inform you about what lies ahead, potentially. But take something like this pandemic. I mean, have any of you would have guessed that you ever saw this coming? How many of you would have ever imagined something like this happening in your lifetime? Where so many things were shut down, so many things changed very quickly, that many people didn't have time to prepare for it. Right? How many of you saw this coming? I mean, that's why toilet paper was in such high demand. How many of you would have imagined that for months you'd have to worship online? I mean, you can look at your own personal life and think about all the storms that you've been through. And you can think about the storms that you're going through right now. And they're different for all of us. But what is the same is that we all go through storms of some kind. And what we see with the disciples in the boat with Jesus, as the storm is beating down on them, the question for him is, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus, I don't know if you can tell, but there's water coming into this boat and we are sinking. So first of all, wake up. And do you want us to go down with the ship? Right? Do you care about our lives? Do you care about us? Right? Isn't that the question that all of us have asked of God at some point in our life? Right? In this world that we live in. I mean, people don't just question whether or not you know, this storm actually took place in the Sea of Galilee. They question whether or not God even exists. I mean, for we who believe, it's, it's easier for us to say that God cares about us, that he exists, that he's real. But the question the world asks is, if God really is a loving and caring God, why is there so much evil in the world? Why do so many bad things happen? We've probably heard this question a number of times in our lives before. Because take a look around you, and you see hatred and anger 
and violence and wars and persecution and sickness and disease and death. We all go through storms at one point or another in our life. Storms that crash in around you and want to sink your boat. The things that happen that want to ruin your life. If God is so good, then there shouldn't be bad in this world. If God is so good, we shouldn't have these storms. If God is so good, he should fix this problem. I mean, maybe we even ask ourselves, if God really cared, would he allow these storms in the first place? If God really loved me, would he allow me to go through all of this pain and suffering, all of these struggles? The Old Testament reading that you heard was from Job. And Job is probably the most common example that we use when people are going through suffering storms that they can't always understand. Job was such a good, righteous man, and all of these terrible things happened to him. He lost his children, his health, his wealth, pretty much everything except his wife. But when you read the story of Job, God isn't the cause. God allowed Satan to do these things to Job, but Satan was given strict guidelines he had to follow. Job didn't understand what was happening, when it was happening, and we don't always either. As much as we may not understand how God works all the time, we do understand why we have storms, why so many bad things happen in this world, why evil is so present in this world. The answer is sin. And sin leads to death. It leads to destruction. It leads to hell. That's because the problem with sin isn't just a problem in this world. It's a problem with us. Sin has destroyed the relationship that we have with God and has caused us to be opposed to God. Our sinful nature is completely at odds with God, and it's something that we are all born with. And it causes us to question whether or not a God who is love really cares for us. So you ask, does God care about me in my storms? Does he care about me when I lose my job? Does he care about me when I lose my spouse or parent or grandparent or child? Does he care about me when nothing is going right? Does he care about me when my family leaves me and I have no one else? Does he care about me when temptation after temptation after temptation comes? Does he care about me when I'm stuck in my sin, my addiction, my selfishness, my greed, my lust, my hatred, my envy, my pride, whatever it is? Does he care about me in this pandemic? Does he care about me in all of the storms of my life? What we should really question, though, isn't if God cares about us. It's how much we care about God. Because what happens when the storms come? I mean, what do we do? Do we go to God first? Right? As soon as we see the clouds rolling in, the wind starting to pick up, we hear the thunder in the distance, do we seek God? Or do we go to God as a last resort? When we have nowhere else to turn, if we even go to God at all. 
Do we go to God when the storm is raging, when the boat is flooding, when we're drowning? I mean, that is when the disciples went to Jesus. Now, we don't see the whole story of whether or not they were doing everything in their power to save themselves, bailing water, if they went to Jesus as a last resort, or if they were just in shock that he could sleep through it all. What we do know is that they didn't fully realize who Jesus was until after he calmed the storm because of how they react. They're filled with fear, and they say, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? And do they even fully realize who Jesus is? Does God want you to come first? Does God want you to come to him first? Of course. Does God want you to come to him as a last resort when nothing else has helped? No. Does that mean that if you only go to God as a last resort, that he won't help you? Not at all. But like I said before, our sinful nature, our selfish self is opposed to God. Our will for our lives is not his will for our lives. And that is exactly why Jesus came. He needed to change us, to change our lives, to change our nature, to fix all of our problems. And we see him do it, first of all, through his words. When the disciples wake Jesus up and ask him for his help, he looks at the storm and says, Peace, be still. And there was peace, calmness, stillness. And this is what Jesus does in his ministry, by the sea, on the sea, anywhere else. By his word, Jesus commands the winds and the waves. By his word, Jesus casts out many demons from one person. By his word, Jesus forgives sins. By his word, Jesus heals the sick, gives sight to the blind, makes the lame walk, brings the dead back to life, makes bread and wine his body and blood. By his word, he speaks peace into your storm. By his word, he speaks peace into your life. With these three little words, it is finished. Those words, of course, are accompanied by his actions. Jesus came to bring peace. He came to restore the relationship that has been broken because of sin. He came to bring reconciliation to you and God so that you are no longer opposed to him. And the only way for this to happen was for Jesus to enter into all the storms of our life, to enter into our struggles, to enter into our temptations. Yet in his temptations, he did not sin. Instead, on the cross of Calvary, Jesus took our sin upon himself. He took all of our pain and suffering, our punishments, the hell that we deserve. He took our death and then he died for the sins of the whole world, for your sins and mine. And Jesus rose from the dead three days later, proving that he had conquered sin, death, and the power of the devil, and that he has reconciled man to God through his death and resurrection. He paid our price to give us eternal life. He took our hell to give us heaven. 
And by his death and resurrection, he brings peace between you and God. An ultimate peace. Because Jesus has covered all of our sin. And so if you ask whether or not God cares about you, about your storms, about your life, all you have to do is look at the cross. And the answer is clearly yes. There is nothing more important than you. There's nothing you are worth less than. You are his most precious, treasured possession. And Jesus came to bring you peace. And that is why he gives us his peace and he leaves us his peace. Peace before the storm, peace in the storm, and peace after the storm. So I can end with the benediction of Jesus' peace. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen.